I'm Kai Wright, host of WNYC's podcast, The United States of Anxiety. This season, we're focusing on gender and power, themes that are upending the 2018 elections. On the Politics Brief podcast from WNYC, you get the best of our political coverage with segments from my show, as well as from The Takeaway, The Brian Lehrer Show, and On the Media, plus local reporting on New York and New Jersey races from our award-winning newsroom. Welcome to Politics Brief from WNYC. It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. Now we continue our fall election series, 30 issues in 30 days. Today, issue 15, what the Democrats would do differently on immigration if they take control of Congress. Would it matter to the DACA recipients or their parents? Would it matter to family separation at the border? Would it include a deal for a Mexican border wall or other additional border security? Here is Senator Gillibrand taking a stand that's dividing Democrats in this election year, whether or not to run on abolishing the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency known as ICE. Gillibrand is pro-abolition. I think you should reimagine ICE under a new agency with a very different mission and take those two missions out. And so we believe that we should protect families that need our help, and that is not what ICE is doing today, and that's why I believe you should get rid of it, start over, reimagine it, and build something that actually works. Senator Gillibrand there. So what would a Democratic Congress mean for immigrants and immigration policy? Our guest for this is Democratic Congressman Adriano Espaillat from Upper Manhattan and the Bronx. In 2016, he became the first Dominican-American and the first formerly undocumented immigrant elected to Congress. Congressman, thanks for joining us for this. Welcome back to WNYC. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me once again. To get you on the record on that one to start out, are you for abolishing ICE? Absolutely. And I don't think it's a radical idea. In fact, we have uh, uh, law enforcement agencies, for example, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, uh, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, and others that are almost exclusively have uh, a level of jurisdiction over one particular area of law enforcement. And so I don't see how uh, ICE, which is really uh, entrusted uh, with securing the border, preventing human trafficking, uh, preventing illegal guns from coming in the country, preventing smug, human uh, smuggling t- uh, from coming in the country, drugs, gangs. Uh, I, don't, I don't see how it is, it, it is a, a smart uh, operational goal to, to invest over 60% of their budget in ripping uh, a nine-month-old child from a mother's arm. So we should uh, have a law enforcement agency that uh, uh, obviously will look over immigration laws, but will do it with a heart. And, and I think that that's what uh, abolishing ISIS for the law. What do you think about this as a national issue, though, in a year when Democrats are hoping to take back control of the House and uh, possibly the Senate? You're in a very safe district. This issue is not going to be that controversial in your district. But many Democrats think that's a losing position for the Democrats to take nationally because people misunderstand it 
to mean stop enforcing illegal immigration and have open borders. And the Republicans can hammer home and run on that misinterpretation, which, frankly, is a much easier thing to understand, um, even if it's even if it's wrong. Are you concerned about that? No, because I think, uh, first of all, uh, it, it really depends on the optic from which you look at this issue. If you look at this issue from uh, family separation, and we also the mothers and the children crying in the middle of the night uh, asking for their mommy or daddy, right? Uh, that issue polled extremely well among all Americans. And nobody wants to see their ch- children ripped away from their parents. That's not what this country was built on. That's not so like ingrained in the values of our nation. The Dreamers polled over 80% in both Republican districts and, and Democratic districts, in red states and in blue states. So I think these two issues hit home very well for everybody. And obviously, uh, if abolishing ICE means that uh, ICE should not spend most of its time separating families, I think it will, it will play uh, very, very good among most Americans. And so it really depends on how the issue uh, is framed. And I think that obviously most Americans are not for separating families. If the Republicans say your party is for open borders, what's your response? My response is that most of the families that are uh, crossing over, uh, that are crossing the, the border, are seeking asylum. And they're coming from countries that are still uh, recuperating from violence or are still under uh, violence from drug uh, uh, or gang operations that are still fleeing uh, a natural disasters. Uh, and our, our nation has a long-standing tradition of welcoming people that are seeking asylum. And there is due process. You, you then go to court, and the court decides whether or not you should remain here. And we should not change that tradition, nor should we circumvent the law. So is that to so, say uh, that, that in, in your view, anybody should be able to cross the border anywhere, not just at a checkpoint, and then find a way to authorities and present themselves for asylum? Well, what's happening, Brian, is that many folks that are seeking asylum cannot cross uh, at a port of entry and then are forced to sort of like cross the border somewhere else in what may be uh, perceived to be illegal. So we're forcing people that are seeking asylum because there's stuff happening in the Mexican side of the border where they don't allow folks to just cross over, and that's not being debated, nor is it. Uh, any light being shed on that particular dynamic. In fact, there are entire camps of people that have uh, rooted up on the, in the Mexico side of the border, and they just allow them to trickle in on a, on a uh, you know, sort of like day day by week by week basis. And so many pe- many folks are forced to cross the border somewhere else, not in a port of entry. Mm-hmm. And what about people who are crossing not in pursuit of? Asylum. Are there ways in which you or the Democratic Party in general are for strengthening border security? Or again, oh, well, on that point, when the Republicans say, oh, those Democrats, they're for open borders, no. what would you I, say? I'm, I'm, for, I'm in favor of strengthening the ports of entry, which are very antiquated and are also not equipped to deal with 
uh, the criminal and illicit activity that goes on through there. For example, gun smuggling, drug smuggling, human trafficking. Lots of that stuff happens at the port of entry. And the port of entry uh, is very weak. Many of them are very weak and need to uh, have state-of-the-art, you know, modern facilities. I'm for that. And for uh, strengthening the infrastructure, roads and bridges are around the border to strengthen the border. I don't think anybody is against that. I think people are against, um, you know, having uh, families separated and sending their children, you know, 3,000 miles away from them or having a tent camp as they have in Tornillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. I think that they're much against, you know, the, the blatant violation of the human rights of of uh, unaccompanied minors that come from as far as Nicaragua, Honduras, and, and El Salvador to the United States, uh, ma- many of them fleeing gang violence. You know, if you don't enlist in the in the gangs, you know your life may be in danger. If you're a merchant, as I met some of them in, in the uh, in the correctional facility in Elizabeth, New Jersey, if you have a small business and you don't pay a gang tax, your life may be in danger. And so, folks are are fleeing from that dynamic. And here we are in America saying you should go back to your death. Listeners, my guest is northern Manhattan and part of the Bronx Democratic Congressman Adriano Espaillat. As we're in issue 15 in our 30 issues in 30 days fall election series, what the Democrats would do differently on immigration if they take control of Congress. And listeners, you can uh, call in um, with what you would like the Democrats to do differently on immigration if they take control of Congress or with any question at 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692. You're listening to the Politics Brief Podcast. We'll be right back after a break. Congressman, you may have seen the New York Times Magazine piece this week on the fraught relationship between congressional Democrats and immigration policy over a period of decades. And one thing it referred to was positions like this from Senator Bernie Sanders, the independent from Vermont, of course, but similar to many Democrats who consider themselves pro-labor, as Sanders portrayed himself back in this 2007 clip on the Lou Dobbs show opposing an immigration liberalization bill. If poverty is increasing and if wages are going down, I don't know why we need millions of people to be coming into this country as guest workers who will work for lower wages than American workers and drive wages down even lower than they are right now. Bernie Sanders in 2007. Congressman, how do you square the interests of people already here suffering from chronic low wages, even if unemployment is low, and the Democrats' interest in allowing more people in in larger numbers. Well, Brian, you you may remember that in addition to Bernie Sanders, labor in general had a long-standing position against immigration, and they changed that position, right? That's true. And they understand, and many of us understand that who's going to pick our grapes, Uh, who's going to wash the dishes, Who's going to take care of our very frail and elderly and our, our children, in fact, for that matter? Uh, who's going to work our farms? Uh, you know, who's going to work in some of our factories? Uh, you know, the fact of the matter is that that's going to be the new immigrants. It's the best economic development plan that we have and we've had all throughout our history is, is immigration. And that's not going to change. And so... Uh, this all position that labor and, and even uh, those uh, 
in the what may be considered the, the very liberal uh, left of our party against immigration back uh, in, the, in the day is not the position now. And I think it's evolved to another position. But I've been there all along, and, and I, I dare to say that, that the resistance, which is now uh, hitting the country uh, on a day-to-day tour, city by city, has been very much alive in, in Washington Heights for years. And in fact, it's been in Harlem for 100 years. And so we are, my district is the bedrock of the resistance because we have Harlem, iconic Harlem, which is the capital of the African diaspora across the United States. I have El Barrio, which is a launching pad of the Puerto Rican and Hispanic experience in, in, in New York City, New York State. And I have immigrant Hamilton Heights, Washington Heights, and Inwood, as well as the Northwest Bronx. So this is uh, a district that I could t- I talk with a level of uh, of uh, experience and, and ownership that you know we've had positions that uh, many people in the left have not shared with us for many years, but they've come around and they've evolved to be our allies now. Chuck in Hoboken, you're on WNYC. Hi, Chuck. Hi. I just wanted to ask uh, the, the congressman and all of his colleagues as whether or not they have considered the uh, anti-messaging that's going to come about when you say abolish ICE. The politics of fear is very, very real and very, very effective. And when he says this, although I agree, the tactic of approaching it through abolition is absolute political lunacy. I can already see the attack ads coming from the other side, and already we have seen that President Trump at his rallies, he says this the way that uh, liberals and progressives used to talk about uh, the former governor of Texas who said, I want to get rid of the Department of Energy. It sounds insane, and I implore you to please find a different tact because you are not helping yourself. Well, let me say this to you. I'm not in charge of crafting our messaging. Uh, there are folks uh, within the party that are responsible for that. And we should say but that members of uh, that, that Democratic congressional candidates are in a wide range of positions on this. Some are taking uh, the ab- abolish ice. Some clearly, are right? some are not. So go ahead. Uh, I understand that clearly. But then let me say this to you. I think our message should be very clear. Our message should be that dreamers who are doctors, who are uh, nurses, who are member teachers, members of our armed forces, should be giving a shot to stay in our nation. I think our message, message should be very clear, that families should not be separated. And yes, me in particular, because I think that uh, somebody like me should push uh, and should not be uh, held back from uh, uh, expo- uh, supporting a more uh, aggressive position on immigration because of my own personal history and because of the district that I represent, rather than pushing back, I push forward. In fact, I want to make sure that Democrats who get elected have a commitment to comprehensive immigration reform because for far too long we've seen how how even our own party has forgotten the issue of immigration reform. And for far too long, every year, year after year, that has taken a second-tier stand, and and we have not addressed it. There's always been a a good reason why we should not take up immigration reform. When Obama had the opportunity, well, it wasn't polling well. We had to to wait. 
you know, the, the, the Senate went ahead and, and, and didn't, didn't pass it. And so there's always been an excuse and a, and a good reason right. why we should not take that up. But it's an important issue for many of us. So is there reason and to I believe? I won't support anybody in our party that's not committed to comprehensive immigration reform. So Congressman is... Go ahead. Including reforming or abolishing ICE. Whichever way you want to explain it, that's up to you. I mean, I think we should concentrate on family unification and on the dreamers. But if you want to take up the issue of ICE, you know, I say abolishing. If you want to say reforming, that's up to you. So moving off the issue of abolishing ICE, because that's just um, one thing in a very complicated, you know, set of moving parts on immigration. Is there reason to believe, given the history that you just laid out, some similar history was documented in this Times Magazine article over the weekend of many Democrats not voting for meaningful immigration reform over many years because they're afraid it's a losing issue for them. Um, is there any reason to believe that anything will change if Democrats take the House? Well, that, uh, again, uh, Brian, that's why I won't support aggressively anybody nor contribute to the election of anybody that's not fully on board with comprehensive immigration reform. And that means to me supporting that we don't break up and split up families. That means to me an um, uh, unmovable position to support uh, dreamers. That means to me that there has to that ICE cannot spend over sixty percent of their budget in separating families. That means to me that the family reunification a model that we we have in in the country now, which allow me to be a legal resident, uh, a U.S. citizen, and now a member of Congress, continues to be uh, an important piece of immigration in our nation. That means to be that TPS, which was just upheld by a court in California for four countries: Sudan, Haiti, uh, El Salvador, uh, and I believe it was uh, Guatemala. Yeah. I'm sorry, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. Uh, continues to be supported. Right, temporary protected status, TPS, for people who came here years ago when there were natural disasters or other emergencies in those countries. In fact, we have a TPS caller. Let me take him. Albert in Flatbush. You're on WNYC. Hi, Albert. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Um, Yeah, my question um, for SBI is, uh, instead of term, uh, temporary protective status. Are y'all going to push for permanent residency for TPS folks? And also, another uh, follow-up question I had, um, as a Dominican-American, um, given that Dominicans are the most deported people back to the Caribbean, um, do you still support, or what is your position on DR stripping the citizenship of Haitians, of uh, people of Haitian descent born in DR? Albert. Given it on um, such a high, uh, yeah, go ahead. that happens, yeah. Congressman, go ahead. Okay, on on the first one, uh, in terms of of supporting uh, TPS, and you know, I think at the very least, uh, TPS should continue to exist, and you know, TPS forces people to live on a capsule of every two years, and that means that every two years. You have to go ahead and reapply for TPS. In fact, those four countries that I mentioned, Sudan, Haiti, uh, El Salvador, uh, and and Nicaragua, uh, they have to, again, reapply 
uh, one of them at the end of the year and the other three next year. So people are forced, even though they may own a home or they may have a business, they may have children or grandchildren in the U.S., they are forced to live on a two-year capsule, which is highly, highly troubling and unfair. So I think that at the very least, TPS should be extended and it should be for a longer period of time. With regards to the Dominican Republic and their immigration policy, I think, well, first of all, I'm against any massive deportation system, whether it's here, there, or anywhere else. I'm against any building of a wall, whether it's here, there, or anybody else. The the Dominican Republic has put in place what they call an immigration regularization system, which is similar to what I may perceive to be here, comprehensive immigration reform. It has its peaks and valleys. We got uh, the Dominican-Haitian issue is not solely a Dominican issue. It is a U.S. issue because we supported dictatorships both in Haiti, Papa Doc, Baby Doc, and in Dominican Republic, Trujillo. The islands were colonized by France and Spain and were intervened in 1960 and 1965 by the U.S. Armed Forces. So there should be a level of international commitment to help Haiti overcome its current uh, uh, problems with their economy, with the recovery of the of the earthquake. And, of course, the Dominican Republic continues to be a very poor nation who cannot shoulder that problem on its own. And so, in many cases, uh, the international community asks the Dominican Republic to shoulder the, the issue of the, the Haitian economy on its own, when, in fact, you know, billions of dollars were sent over there after the hurricane, and nobody knows what has happened with that. Thank you for your call, Albert. Susan in Essex County are on WNYC. Hi, Susan. Oh, hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Can you hear me? I can hear you okay, so right to the point. <laughs> so, okay, so right to the point. So it's pretty simple. So I think there's some confusion that, um, you know, as a Democrat, and I've spoken before about this, I just feel very, very strongly that um, it's, not, it's still not okay to say as a Democrat, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm very uncomfortable with undocumented immigrants. And I think to, to your guest's point about Haiti, I think we can say the same thing about Nicaragua or other countries in South, in South and Central America that, that he just made. Maybe we need to support the building up of those economies so that people just stop streaming across the border because they can't support themselves or they're escaping from a gang. And or... You know, we say the only escape for people from Nicaragua is to come to America. Are there other solutions that can be put in place? Because I, I do feel that at some point, you know, you cannot accept everybody into America. There's crises and tragedies worldwide. We cannot be the only bastion of people coming, you know, seeking asylum. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a harsh way. I just mean it in a realistic way. Susan, I'm going to leave it there because the sound quality is so bad, but Congressman, I think you were... I, I heard... Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. First of all, you know, the Nicaragua issue is a separate issue because not many Nicaraguans are showing up at the border. In fact, right. that's one of the countries where you ha- you see very little migration from uh, through the border. Uh, number one, True, but I think she's great... talking about Central Americans in general. No, no, no. Well, yeah, what I'm trying to say is that most of the Central Americans that are showing up at the borders are Guatemalans, Hondurans, and, and Salvadorians. Nicaraguans are not uh, migrating in significant numbers. In fact, their economy is doing somewhat well. The problem in Nicaragua and the recent violence that we've seen is is a political issue. It's a political conflict. 
Now, we're, so so you're seeing folks that are uh, running from gangs and, and natural disasters from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. And so that's that's the first thing. And, and I agree that we should have a more responsible position with regards to uh, South uh, Latin America and the Caribbean. I think to some degree we have abandoned that area and have created a vacuum of leadership, which now China is really uh, seeking to, to fill. And so we, we must reinvent ourselves and the leadership role that we should have in those countries and that region of the world so that they could do uh, better. Now, uh, you know, the immigration issue is not a U.S.-Mexico issue. It is a worldwide issue. It is a have-have-not issue across the planet. So, for example, uh, Guatemalans mig- uh, migrate to Mexico. Mexico Mexicans migrate to the U.S. Africans go to Spain and to Italy. Uh, Libyans go to, Lib- uh, to, to Italy. Uh, Middle Easterners go to Germany and, and Britain. Uh, you know, that, that's the dynamic of, of immigration, is countries that, that are doing very well, bad economically, that are next to countries that are doing somewhat well economically, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a natural right. shift because people won't star- starve, and they've got to look for ways to provide for their families. So what do you that's say to the, to the other point that the caller was making, and honestly there are several other callers who are not going to have time for who want to make a serious point, uh, a similar point, that, um, well, we had the former conservative prime minister of Canada, Stephen Harper, on the show the other day, and, and he put it this way. If the Democrats don't seem serious about getting illegal immigration under control, then you'll never win on the issue, on the moral case you were just making for taking immigrants in need from poor countries because we're the nearest rich country, in effect. No matter how moral the stand seems to be, if you're what another caller is putting as wishy-washy on illegal immigration, then you're never going to win on the legitimacy of immigration, period. What do you say? Well, we debated debated different uh, bills in Congress uh, this past session that dealt with Dreamers, and that included that were even laced with some toxic provisions uh, regarding uh, comprehensive immigration reform. There was several of them that took care. I would say of more than half of the current population that is under is undocumented. Uh, there were bills that took care not only of the dreamers; they took care of family reunification. They took care of several aspects of immigration reform that sort of like looped in. Over 50% of the uh, estimated 12 million undocumented uh, uh, residents in the United States. So there are different proposals on the table, some of which, many of which were bipartisan, by the way. The, the Pure Dream Act bill, which was a Lucille Albert Royale and, and Ileana Rosvedner bill, right. uh, was bipartisan. And, and, so and was, uh, in a, fairness to the Democrats, there was a basic DACA in exchange for the wall, Senate compromise that was on its way, and then Trump said no. Um, but well, le- you know, there was a Senate, there was a Senate bill that that was a bipartisan bill that had the gang of uh, six, I believe it was, or eight, However, uh, that maybe. was sent over, yeah. right? Yeah. That had provisions for border protection, but 
But that one in particular, I looped in Dreamers, the family reunification one, which is very important because you're talking about a mom or a dad petitioning for their right. children to they come back to the United that. States. And that's an important one, right? right. What, what, what Trump called chain migration, which I call family reunification, that's how I got here. Right. My uh, parents, my grandparents petitioned for us. And so there are different, different bills that uh, sort of like address border protections in different ways, some more reactionary than others. But that debate is being had every day, and the White House didn't support any of those provisions. So he may be using the comprehensive immigration reform debate as a, a wedge issue politically, but I say to you, we, sh- we should focus it from the perspective of dreamers, and we should focus it from the perspective of family reunification and not separating families. Democratic Congressman Adriano Espaillat of Upper Manhattan and part of the Bronx, our guest in our fall election series, 30 Issues in 30 Days, Issue 15, What the Democrats Would Do Differently on Immigration If They Take Control of Congress. Always appreciate your time, Congressman. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks for listening to Politics Brief. If you want more, go to wnyc.org slash election.